Hey, hey, are you here? Mm-hmm, I know you're here. All right, let's begin this episode of the Paul Leslie Hour. This time around, Paul E. Leslie interviews Jody Jackson. Now, Jody's the executive director of the Gerard Birch Foundation. More directly, you could say that Mr. Jody Jackson is keeping the legacy of the late songwriters John Gerard and Bruce Birch alive. As the foundation puts it, live the song, love the music, lead the cause. Mm-hmm. This year's annual Songwriters Show of the Gerard Birch Foundation is coming up on Saturday, September 10th, 2022 at 6 p.m. And you know Paul will be there at 908 Grove Street in Gainesville, Georgia. It'll be an unforgettable night of storytelling and entertainment. No matter where you are, you'll want to make this one for sure. Hey, can you help us out? Help the Paul Leslie Hour? You're already helping just by tuning in and listening. But if you like what you hear, you can also choose to go to www.thepaulleslie.com support. You can go there. You can go there. You can go there. (laughs) I think it's time for Jody Jackson. Paul, I think that's your cue. Let's start the show, right? Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Paul Leslie Hour. I am very honored to have Jody Jackson with me. Jody Jackson is the executive director of the Gerard Birch Foundation, formerly known just as the John Gerard Foundation. He's got a long history in the entertainment and live events business. He has worked with artists pretty much his his whole life, people like Shania Twain, Toby Keith, a long stretch with the great T. Graham Brown, something like 14 years, I think. And he is the executive director of the Gerard Birch Birch Foundation. They are having their signature concert like they do every single September. And I don't know how these guys do it, but it, it is the best concert of the year. The first time I went to one, I was mad at myself, and I always told the late Bruce Birch this. I was mad at myself that I hadn't gone to one sooner. So... Jody Jackson, thank you so much for being with us. Well, thanks for having me, Paul. The interview you did with Bruce 10 or 12 years ago, maybe eight or 10 years ago, we still keep because it's, it's just so special to hear what everything meant to Bruce and to, you know, the foundation and to his, his kids, his grandkids, his music. It was just, it's a special interview and, and we kept it forever and played it for people to kind of, just here in Bruce's words, his his life and music. Well, thank you so much for saying that. So we want to get kind of a bit of your background. Where do you call home? I call home Atlanta, Georgia now. I grew up, I was born in downtown Atlanta, Piedmont Hospital. Uh, lived in Atlanta for uh, my whole life up until I moved to Nashville. Went to High school at Campbell, Smyrna, which is real close to where the Braves Stadium is now, Windy Hill Road area. And then 
went to West Georgia College. I went there to play football, but I realized I walked on and uh, Coach Pate, they had won the national championship the year before, and he came out and said, hey, guys, we've got 80 walk-ons, and we're going to be able to keep six or seven of you. So that was my last day of uh, football practice. I hung the pads up and started working at the radio station in West Georgia. Uh, my family have a long history. Of, you probably didn't see all that or have heard of uh, music business and radio business. My older brother was a vice president of several record labels in Atlanta, Nashville, L.A. Um, my brother-in-law at the time when I was in college was a radio consultant and uh, for album-oriented rock with Burkhardt Abrams. And so anyway, I just kind of was around the whole radio thing early on and, and did that throughout college and got out of college and went straight to 96 Rock, did an internship there, then they hired me, and then I found out about a, a, uh, a job opening at Y106, the country station in Atlanta, and I went there, interviewed to be a promotions assistant, and they hired me, and I didn't know anything about country music at the time other than, you know, Waylon and Willie and Hank hmm. Jr. and a few things like that. But that's where I met Bruce. Uh, I'd been there about a year, I guess. This was 90, 91. And we did a uh, an in-store at a Turtles Records and Tapes at Acres Mill Road, which is right across the street from the radio station, for Sawyer Brown, for a new Sawyer Brown record. And I was setting up, you know, the, the live broadcast and the banners and everything. And, and uh, Rhubarb introduced me to this fellow by the name of Bruce Birch. And, and uh, he said, Bruce is from Gainesville, Georgia. He lives in Nashville. And he's just had either his first or second Reba McIntyre number one song. And, you know, I was just in all, hey, man. And, and he was just the nicest guy of everybody I met, you know, with Mark hmm. Miller and Sawyer Brown and all of them. Bruce was the, just by far the coolest guy. We all went to lunch after that and kind of went on from there. I stayed at Y106 for four years. They moved me to promotion director. I was the youngest promotion director in Atlanta at the time. And we just started beating kicks every book and, it was just a great time for Atlanta radio. When I decided to finally get out of that, I was checking with everybody in Nashville. My brother, he was vice president of RCA in L.A., Rock, and he moved to Nashville and started doing uh, club promotion. Uh, for It's right when Boot Scoop Boogie and Achy Breaky Heart and all that kind of country dance stuff came out. So I moved to Nashville to work with my brother. And when I got in town, I called, you know, I had – six or eight people that I've known over the years in, in country promotions or whatever in Nashville and um, called Bruce Burtz and said, Hey, you remember me? It's Jody. I worked. Oh yeah. yeah. I said, well, I'd just love to catch up with you sometime and go to lunch. This was at 11 AM. He said, how about 12 o'clock at the pizza place down there by Vanderbilt? I was like, <laughs> Absolutely. So I met him there and we just hit it off. I mean, our wives did our friend. I mean, it was just, He's just an amazing guy. And then I still did promotions for two more years uh, with my brother. And then Bruce called me one day and said, hey, um, with Country Club Promotion, we started Shania Twain and the triple play thing with Toby Keith and Shania and John Brandon. I worked with a few different artists, Travis Tritt and, you know, John Barry, artists that I knew from Atlanta or from Georgia. And Bruce called me one day and said, hey, man, uh, T. Graham needs a guy just to go out on the road maybe, you know, for six months or a year and do his, you know, road management and all the stuff, radio and you know, all the stuff you do. And I thought, well, sure, I'll try that, you know, for a little while. And 14 years later, I got off the tour bus. <laughs> so, 
it was a crazy ride. Bruce came out with us a lot and they wrote together. Of course, they wrote Wine in the Water, you know, out on the road. So I did that for a while. And then Bruce had moved back to Georgia, to Athens, to start the, the University of Georgia music business program, which is really doing well now. And he called me again. He said, you know, the John Gerard Foundation. And I was like, yeah, I've been to a couple of shows with T. Graham and I brought Alex Harvey, who wrote Delta Dawn and, and a few other writers. I'd come down to the show and this thing was just growing. It, it went from 30 people, I mean, 30 tables to now we have 110 tables every show. So anyway, I said, he said, they need somebody to kind of run this. Well, my mother was living uh, in Marietta and had, had begun uh, Alzheimer's. So she was kind of losing her mind. And I thought, you know, it's probably a good time to get back to Georgia. My kids were still like middle school, not old enough to really make a difference on a move. So moved back down here and started doing uh, the John Gerard show, which now we're in our 21st year. Now the Gerard Burtz, but we'll talk about that later. But with all that, I mean, I met so many people and I'd, I'm not kidding. 70% of everybody I met who was anybody was through Bruce Burtz because everybody <laughs> loved him. In Nashville, he's just a good guy, he's just a regular guy. There's no ego, there's no, he'd always call you back, you know. So, you know, coming back to Georgia, there's people like the Georgia um, uh, Association of Community Hospitals that I do events for, the Georgia Poultry Federation, which is based out of Gainesville, and I just do their booking, their stage sounding lights, and all the, you know, everything that goes around the concert. And then Bruce and I did several projects together. We started Cletus T. Judd. That was 10 years before all this. Uh, he moved to town because Bruce had met him at the buckboard and, uh, he was Barry Poole, you know, just doing goofy stuff. And he lived on Bruce's couch for a while until Bruce kicked his, Bruce's wife kicked him out. And then he lived on my couch for a while until my wife kicked him out. <laughs> but we gave him the name Cletus T and, and the rest is history on this, uh, country, uh, parody stuff. But we did a few other other things together, and then Bruce went from Athens to Kennesaw and started a music business program there, the Joel Katz program, which is doing great. Then he ended up coming back to Gainesville about six, seven years, five, six years ago, and doing a music, not a program, but classes where students could mm -hmm. learn about the music business. And, uh, I mean, he just touched so many kids that, that are interested in music. And these are kids that didn't play basketball or football or baseball. You know, they were into music, but there was, where do you go with that if you, if you don't know how the music business is, is ran? So he just touched a lot of people. And then he ended up moving a few years ago back to Nashville where his grandkids are, which is, was a great move on his part. And then I've just continued to, do these shows for, for the John Gerard show. And I do a couple other songwriter shows. I do one in Balbasta a couple times a year. I do one in Thomasville, Georgia, you know, and, and other events like that. Now I've been to a few of them, not anywhere close to you in terms of number, but I, I have so many vivid memories of seeing, you know, there were a few times where I thought, I don't even like this song, but in the hands of the writer, it's like, wow, that right. just, I didn't even know this song was, was a knockout. Do you have a, I know it's hard with, with year after year of these shows. Do you have a favorite memory from the annual concert? I mean, honestly, I've got several, but our 10th anniversary, I, through T. Graham, I got to know Steve Cropper. 
Steve Cropper has the greatest music stories ever. I mean, he grew up, he's from Arkansas, but grew up in Memphis or moved to Memphis for Stax Records. And he was with Booker T and the MGs. And then they found Otis Redding. Otis Redding was driving a, a, a van for the studio there. And uh, anyway, long story, we our 10th anniversary, I had uh, Steve Cropper and Jimmy Hall, who I know very well from, from up there, great singer. And Gary Nicholson, who's an amazing songwriter. Gary's actually getting inducted in the Songwriter Hall of Fame this uh, October 30th. Had them down. I can't remember who else was on the show. Two or three other songwriters. So we did our regular in the round, the stories, just like a Bluebird Cafe, like we always do. And at the end, we we brought Steve Cropper up and we had some percussion and a bass player and played, you know, in the Midnight Hour and 634 and Dock of the Bay and Soul Man and Everybody got up from their table and was just dancing, you know, to end the show on those five or six huge soul hits from Memphis, you know. So that that's probably my favorite. But every one of them has been good. And in fact, last year, our 20th, we had uh, Matresa Bird, who's the youngest female ever in the Songwriter Hall of Fame. She wrote Strawberry Wine and You uh, and Tequila and a bunch of great hits with uh, Jim Collins, who Jim's one of my favorite songwriters. He just had another number one with Damn Straight. So now I call him Damn Jim. That's another story. <laughs> he was great. And he had, he said, I've just got these tractor songs because he, he wrote, uh, she thinks my tractor's sexy and, uh, the other, uh, Jason Aldean, uh, Green tractor. There you go. Big green tractor. Yeah. Big, yeah. You got it. So he was on the show last year and then we had Dean Dillon, who I've never met Dean Dillon until he came into town last October and, uh, man, 40 to 50 number one George Straits, stories behind every one of them, you know, how he sent them to Strait and when he played, I mean, it was just, so that was another very, very special, um, John Gerard concert. Yeah, that, that was, that was just phenomenal. You know, it, it was just so, such a great show. I still think about certain moments of that show. You know, uh, it, it was just phenomenal. And I hope people out there that are watching or listening, they consider coming to this one, even if it means getting in the car for five hours like I'm going to do. It's worth it. And so tell us about who is going to be performing on September 10th, 2022 in Gainesville. A special thing for this one because we've changed the name now to Gerard Birch Foundation for obvious reasons. Bruce is the whole reason that this thing took off after John passed away. He was the connection for me, for the songwriters, for the city of Gainesville, for everybody. He was kind of the glue that got it all going. So Bruce and I, in the last, I'd say, shoot, six or seven years, we would get together and just start going through songwriters. You know, we, we try not to duplicate a lot, although... You know, we've had Tony Arada a lot just because he, he's just a great guy with one of the best songs ever. We've had Greg Barnhill a lot. He's had a lot of hits and sings great. These are just really cool, friendly guys that are easy to call up so they come play. But we try not to duplicate. So we'll, we'll sit down and just go over a bunch of different writers. So this year, and Bruce and I actually were talking about it, you know, a month or two before he passed away, which was March the 12th. Stephanie Smith, who we've never had. And I've met her at a couple of songwriter festivals down at 30A, and she's she's just incredible. She's just a good person with a lot of hits. But she wrote It's Your Love for Tim McGraw and Faith Hill. She wrote Johnny and June, which was a big hit and a great song. And 
couple others, and she's just wonderful. Never had her. And we've got uh, Jeff Stevens, who's – I really got Jeff. We had him about five or six years ago, maybe seven years ago down here. But he was a huge – is a huge Bruce Burks fan. Jeff had two huge number ones for George Strait, Carrying Your Love With Me, and I get carried away. Don't get me singing here. But anyway, <laughs> Uh, and then he wrote some of the Luke Bryan hits because he produced Luke Bryan. So we got Jeff Stevens coming. And then we have one of my favorite guys in all of songwriters, Chuck Cannon. And uh, I got to know Chuck over 10 years ago at a couple of things I did, you know, probably 15 years ago with T. Graham and Bruce and everybody. And actually, Chuck did one of, one of uh, probably the last show John Gerard did before he went in the hospital and passed away. So we've had Chuck at some of our smaller events. I've had him in other corporate things that I've booked, but we've never had him at the John Gerard show. And, and Chuck, of course, wrote uh, I Love the Way You Love Me, which is one of the most played songs at every wedding in America. And uh, he wrote several of Toby Keith hits, How Do You Like Me Now, and uh, The American Soldier. And he, Chuck's just funny, and he's just a good guy. He was married to Laurie White, and she passed away maybe three or four years ago. So anyway, Chuck finally was able, he's actually... He's on the West Coast on like Friday, Thursday or Friday before he's flying all the way to do it. So with those three, and then we still got three weeks. So I'm thinking we're going to add one more. Um, I've got a few calls out there, maybe a younger writer who's had a few hits. But even if we don't add anybody, this show will be fantastic. I mean, there'll, be, yeah. there'll be 12 to 15 number ones, and the whole show is usually about 20 to 25 songs. So it'll be it'll be great. But we'll see. I should know here in the next week. Uh, if we're going to add, you know, another writer. And then we do a, a, an opening round where we have local writers, which we had uh, Corey Crowder, who's had a bunch of hits now. He was on our opening round. We had uh, oh, Ray Fulcher is his name. And Ray is from kind of the Athens, Georgia area. And Bruce said, you know, six or eight years ago, Ray was sending Bruce all these songs. You know, hey, can you get me help cut? And Bruce like, I didn't hear anything that blew me away. Well, now he's having big number ones with Luke Combs and, and all that. So, uh, we've had Ray on our opening round, and, and we'll have him back on the big show. And It's just a beautiful night. It's hard to explain. And Dallas Davidson probably said it better than anybody. He said, you know, the John Gerard Foundation has it down. And it, it's mm. not because of me. It's more because of Bruce, and it's also because of our, our board. We have a strong 27, 28-person pers uh, board who are all very tied into North Georgia. I don't know if they're lawyers, bankers, whatever they do they know people that'll buy tables support it we have an option and they're hard at work and so it, it's it's a whole army to put this thing together it's it's literally about a thousand people at candlelit tables and it's just like going to the bluebird you sit there and you hear the stories and you're drinking wine or whatever you drink and great food and it's just a two to three hour show that people just love the weather's good it's I've had people in Gainesville say, you know, my wife and I, this is our favorite event of the year is to come to the John Gerard and hear these stories. And really, people are good because these kind of things, they're very intimate. So you want everybody to be quiet, but you walk a fine line of telling people to shut up because then it gets ugly because they're drinking with friends. And But I think over the years, people have learned there there are places you can go drink and talk and smoke. And then you come back to your table and you sit and listen. And it's it's just a wonderful event. That's right. Yeah, and it is. It's something that I think it's more than just there's something about it. It's more than just 
here are a bunch of songwriters singing their songs, many of which are famous. There is this ability. I, I see people there that are 15, 16, and they seem like they're having a fantastic song. And then there are people that are in their 70s, 80s and, and older. And that's just amazing to me. It's it's a universal language. And to me, you know, when you get our age, I won't say any numbers, but when you get in your 40s and 50s and 60s, you you don't want to go out where it's loud and crowds and all, but but to sit and listen to a song that you may or may not know, it helps if you know it, obviously. But but hear the story behind it, how it was written, and, and all that, and people just they just love that that whole concept, and 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 it it shows because they're growing everywhere. There used to just be like the songwriter, the thirty eight songwriter, of the Key West, and the Frank Brown was probably the original one. Now they're popping up. There, I bet you I can name twenty songwriter festivals. Um, and they raise money for different charities, which is great. Uh, ours just happens to be, you know, the Boys and Girls Club, the Good News Clinics, and the Good News Shelter, which were all very dear to John Gerard. So over the last 20 years, we've raised right at $2 million, and we, you know, try to keep it in the community. Keep, uh, you know, it, the, the toughest part, honestly, Paul, is is that Every year I hear, oh, that's the best one ever. That's the best one. We've, we've raised the bar so high with these shows or, or the artists, the songwriters have, that sometimes I worry people are going to go, this wasn't near as good as last year or something like that. But it, it's always a good time for people to hang out and, and for a good cause. Well, and, you know, last year I was thinking, man, it's it's going to be hard to top this one. With with Dean Dillon and and all that that you talked about, but then today I was at the gym and I was listening to "Carrying Your Love with Me," the George Strait song, and I thought, man, this this it's one of the most famous George Strait songs, and I thought I cannot wait to hear the the guy who wrote that. I said, I don't know, this one might be, <laughs> yeah, you know. Exactly. Can you tell tell the the people out there, you you spoke a lot about Bruce Birch. What does he mean to you personally? I don't I don't know if I can do that. Well, <laughs> emotional. When he passed away, we had a memorial service for him in in Nashville. It was absolutely beautiful. And T. Graham and T. G. Shepherd and Red A. A lot of people came out and spoke or sang. And then we did one in Gainesville, Georgia, for him, where a lot of his high school friends and 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 family and, and all that. And he just, he made an impact. And that was when I spoke in, in Gainesville, I was like, I've never met somebody who, who makes such an impact on people. And when I say that, he, he, he's like, he's out to help you. Like, what, what do you need? And I'll make a call for you or I'll try to, and that's, that's unheard of in, in, in this business. I mean, there are some people who do, but for the most part, you, you can't get arrested in Nashville with a good song or a good singer or a good drum. You know, it's just tough to do. And, and Bruce would really, he would meet somebody. And I, I'm telling you, I went to high school with the Blackberry Smoke guys, Richard and Britt Turner. And I didn't know that they, I'd moved to Nashville for 15 years. I didn't know they had a band going and all of a sudden it was doing well, you know, locally and it's kind of the new Southern rock band, let's say. So I came down here. This is like 2000. 12, maybe 14. I can't remember, but I started talking to Brett Turner, the drummer, and he's like, you know who helped us is Bruce Birch. He helped <laughs> us in Nashville more than anybody. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. Then I do an event with, with the Georgia Music Foundation. I just, you know, donate and help out Lisa Love with that every year at the Ryman. And, uh, two years ago, 
Billy Currington was on the show and I was in his dressing room and we were just talking. I'd never met uh, Billy and told him the reason I kind of moved to Nashville was Bruce Birch called me and said, you know, or I'd move it. Uh, I got on with T. Graham, Bruce Birch. He said, oh my God, Bruce Birch. He said, you know, that's the first guy when I moved to Nashville that called me back. You know, he said, I'm from Savannah, Georgia. I moved here, didn't know a soul. And, and Bruce called me back and met with me and we had lunch and he introduced me to some publishing people. You know, it, it just went on and on. And I'll be damned if after he passed away, Red Aiken, he came out to the memorial. And, you know, Red from Valdosta, Georgia, had his own record deal for a while and had a, a hit or two. And then nothing was going on with him. And then all of a sudden he started writing with Dallas and and uh, Ben and, and several people. Well, now he's, I don't even know, 20 to 25 number ones. But you know what he said? Nobody helped me as much as Bruce Birch did when I when I was in because he knew you know I'm the Georgia fan. I'm from Georgia and met Bruce and he introduced me to all these people and I, I just think he just made an impact on people. You know when Wayne Newton he Bruce met Wayne Newton through rhubarb here in Atlanta and I was working at the station then and Wayne just fell in love with Bruce and his next record he cut six Bruce Birch songs. You know and yeah. it, it, I don't know it's just. It's it's weird how he's just and Bruce has some songs and we shared an office together. He played me that still have never gotten cut, never been recorded. I've just heard demos, but they're great songs. Yeah, you know. But I, I think that he cared and, and he he was serious about trying to help people, and I, that was his whole reasoning behind at UGA because he's a Georgia grad and he he knows that. You know, if you play trumpet or drums or guitar, you know, that's obvious what you do got to do to get to the next step. But if you want to be a promotion director or road manager or a sound man or, you know, there's no, now there is, but prior to Bruce and, and several, you know, uh, people and, and, um, like Mike Curb in, in Nashville at Belmont. That's what, that's the word I was trying to think. Belmont has a great program where you go there and learn everything musically but anyway so that when he started at georgia and these kids to this day there's some of them who are doing great things in nashville and in new york and la and it all came with bruce's vision of hey let's start a music business program where not only musicians but business people or, or accountants or whatever that want to be involved in music so just you know not only that's all the business side the personal side is, is Bruce is one of these. I'm a very emotional person myself. I mean, you know, I just get all, I can't watch uh, sad movies or anything like that. Mm. And, and Bruce is the same way. You know, he, he, one of the first Rhubarb Jones, we used to have a golf tournament. Bruce had leukemia. So Rhubarb started this golf tournament we did every year. And I remember one year, Earl Thomas Conley came down and, and T. Graham and, and Mark Colley. And we were all sitting in this room. Of course, there was some drinking going on, but uh, Earl was playing some song on the guitar, and everybody just starts crying. And these are grown men, you know. And I know there was alcohol involved, but it was a very sad kind of, you know, or a heavy emotional song. And I just fell in love with him. Like, Bruce, you know, another quick story. I was out on the road. When I turned 30, we played up in Canada. So my wife at the time was going to have me a surprise birthday party. Well, our flight was severely delayed. Like we missed the, the flight in uh, Detroit that came out of Canada. So she said, y'all could do anything you want if you'll just stay here. Well, there's like 50, 40 people there. Well, they all left, but maybe five. 
Bruce got my underwear, every pair of underwear he could find in my room, and hung it all all over the apartment <laughs> in town. And you know, when his daughter got married down in, in St. Simons, we had a great time and did a lot for that. And I don't know, I, I could go on literally for for two hours about stuff that Bruce and I did that were great, and some I'm I'm not too proud of, but they're great memories. <laughs> Well, I, I think you really got to the the heart of Bruce Birch. Nobody has ever called me on the phone having just heard a song that made him cry more than Bruce Birch. And the very first time I met him, I remember we went and got a coffee. I'd never met this guy in my life, you know. And right. uh, I, I liked him right away, of course, like everybody. But then we got in his car and he had this big bin of demos and and songs and we start listening to songs and here i am i'm crying with this guy that i just met in this car in gainesville georgia and that's yeah. that was him it, there was no fake to him there's no ego and and that some of the things he did you know he he rubbed people the wrong way but he was on a mission to for the right thing for the show or for the event or whatever but, but he didn't really have a filter. Like he would say things that he shouldn't say to people 20 minutes before everybody's going on stage, but it was all out of passion. You know, he had a big heart and big passion for for the show to be right. I always like to ask somebody who is either a venue person or a live events guy. Everyone has usually some name in their back pocket. They have a dream to book this person for a festival or for a show. So for Jody Jackson, maybe the first or the first two names that pop on, pop into your mind where you think I'd love to have them at the, at the show. Now I have to ask, alive? They have to be alive now? They have to be, they have to be living artists that could one day potentially play. Because I would say Greg Allman if it was not living. A living right now, it would probably be Jackson Brown. Wow. No, my favorite was Jackson Brown, Tom Petty, Greg Allman, and Merle Haggard. Those four right there. Artists that some people may not have heard of before who absolutely blow me away is Paul Thorne. I don't know if you've ever heard of Paul Thorne. He's a Mississippi guy. Look him up. He's unbelievably good. I've probably gone to see him just to get out of whatever I'm doing to go see a Paul Thorne show 30 or 40 times. Uh, but he's another one. I've gotten to know him pretty well. And his manager, Billy Van Morrison. I'm a huge Van Morrison fan, which I wasn't in, you know, years ago, but as you get older and you're just sitting around listening to stuff, there's, there's nothing better than some of that old Van Morrison, just the arrangements, you know, the horns, his voice, the songs. But I, I guess you're asking me for one, aren't you? <laughs> well, that, that that's a good that's a, a good list. And so Jackson Brown, if you're if you're watching or listening, get in touch. Which how would they how, how would Jackson Brown or anybody out there how would they find out about the drawer? Oh, Paul, you didn't tell me. I can't be telling anybody my information. I'm a no, I'm kidding. Go to go to GerardBirchFoundation.com and info to that is uh, click on and I look at that when anything comes in. Uh, Jay Jackson at still at JohnGerardFoundation.com. I've changed my email address over, but I haven't learned how to put it on my phone yet. So I'm checking two emails here for until we get through this show, and then I'll go all 
just to Jody at Gerard Birch Foundation. And everybody go to GerardBirchFoundation.com. You're going to want to be at this show September 10th, 2022. Absolutely. So you've gotten to do so many really interesting things and interact with a lot of great people. What is the best thing about being Jody Jackson? Man, that's tough. I, I would probably say family. You know, I, I have a really, really big dysfunctional family, but we're all good people and mean the right. But I have a wonderful daughter who's 26, graduated from college, working in the medical field or, or trying to get further in the medical field. And I have a son who I spend a lot of time with right now. He's got one more semester of college. And I think, you know, they, you know, I think they're doing the right things. You know, you never know in this day and time what what to tell a 20-year-old to do. But, you know, just do the right thing, make a living, get a job that you like, and help people, you know, I, I would say. So I, I'm real happy with where I, I'm, I'm still a few years from retirement, but I'm, I've kind of honestly lost the, the rat race. I don't care to own an empire. You know, I, I spend every day either working or playing golf or, you know, going to ball games. I'm a huge Braves fan. I'm a huge Georgia Bulldog fans. And I have to say they both are champions right now. Right. So I just kind of do what I want to do and still, you know, maintain the shows that I have and try to help any way I can help other people because I, I think you get the, I do get the biggest, uh, you know, I, I feel better about helping others than sitting at home and, and not, whether it's, you know, music or, you know, whatever it may be. So my last question, if you were to define Jody Jackson, who would you say you are at heart? I'd say a fun guy. I mean, probably corny at times, but I, I just like people smiling. And I know sometimes in business or in serious situations, people might go, you know, you got to get serious here. But I'm thinking, I mean, I hate to say it, but what really matters? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if, if you can't laugh, you know, everybody's going through all these problems. Everybody has money issues. They have family issues. Everybody's going to die. Nobody's getting out alive. So it's like, do the best you can and do do right for people and and it'll all work out in the, in the in the wash. Well, Jody Jackson, thank you so much for making the time. It's been great to do thank, this interview. Thank you, Paul. I do want to interject something. I don't know if you edited or if we're live on national television, but we have started at the University of Georgia, a music business program scholarship. It's the Bruce Birch Fund. So you can go on our website or look it up, Google it. And it's just started. We just started about a month ago. And we've had some great people who've donated a lot of money already. And this was Bruce's vision is to, to help these kids learn music and learn the music business and this fund, what it's going to do because it's at the university of Georgia where I think 98% of the kids there are on the hope scholarship. So their, their college is getting paid for, but this is a fund so kids can go to Austin for a semester or go to LA or go to New York or go to Nashville 
and it pays their rent or their their traveling expenses. That's specifically what it's for. So anybody out there listening, if you can give $5 or 500 or whatever, it would mean a lot to uh, to us at the uh, Gerard Birch Foundation. That's a wonderful thing, and we'll post the links below. So, Jody, sir, thank you so much. Great pleasure. Thank you. I look forward to seeing you. Let me know what you need, tickets, tables. We'll send an airplane after you if we need to, but just do <laughs> show up. It's going to be a great event, and I appreciate you uh, you having me on, Paul. Yes, sir. See you September 10th, 2022, Gainesville, Georgia. I won't Thanks. miss it. All right, buddy. Thanks. Yes, sir. Thank you for stopping by today. If you enjoyed our program, consider telling a friend about it. The Paul Leslie Hour is made possible through people just like you. So you want to keep the show going, right? Go to thepaulleslie.com. That's thepaulleslie.com. Click on Support the Show. And thanks to everyone who contributes. Performance of the intro music is courtesy of John Primerano, the entertainer, written by Scott Joplin. End credit theme music is courtesy of John Primerano, the traditional song, Corina, Corina. Your announcer is Dan Gold. Hey, that's me. The show is hosted and produced by Paul Leslie. And we'll see you next time on the Paul Leslie Hour.